Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, one and all. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening right here on the Republic Broadcasting Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website, republicbroadcasting.org. Today is Saturday, November 15th, 2014. This show is live every Saturday evening here on RBN from 10 p.m. to midnight Eastern Time. That's 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Central. We are still in a two-hour time slot for the time being. Again, I announced that last week, and that will continue um, on into the future and may go back to a three-hour time spot at some point in the future. So for now, it's a two-hour show, 10 p.m. to midnight Eastern. We have a great show lined up for you here tonight. I'm going to be continuing the Cosmic Abandonment Extended presentation here on the air tonight. Cosmic Abandonment is a series that explores the connection between the interference theory of human origins, as I call it, uh, with the current human condition that is taking place on this planet in the times that we are living in. Tonight, I'm going to be getting into what I call the unwritten story of the human future, how we can change it, some solutions, and we're going to look into something known as epigenetics and how critically important of a role that plays in finding the solution to the current problems that our species faces and uh, overcoming the trauma and the abuse that this species has taken in its quote-unquote childhood, so to speak. So that's coming up on this edition of What on Earth is Happening. I will be taking your calls in the second hour of the show, maybe a little bit later into the second hour, depending on how the presentation uh, material goes. But I'll give the call-in number right here at the top of the show so that those who want to get in the call queue can do so early on. The toll-free number to join us here on What on Earth is Happening is 800-313-9443. Once again, toll-free number to join us, 800-313-9443. I do have a couple of quick announcements that I want to make, so bear with me, and then we'll jump into the material. The Truth, Freedom, Prosperity documentary night that takes place uh, monthly here in Philadelphia, 
uh, will be happening this Thursday, November 20th from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. at the Guerin Recreation Center. The Guerin Rec Center is at 16th and Jackson Streets in Philadelphia. Uh, this month, we're going to be showing a film called Park Avenue, Money, Power, and the American Dream. Here's a brief description of the documentary. In America, the rich are getting richer. Well, isn't that great? Doesn't that mean that there's lots more wealth to go around? Or is it good news for the rich, but very bad news for the poor? 740 Park Avenue, Manhattan, is one of the most exclusive addresses in the world, home to some of the richest Americans, the 1% of the 1%. Ten minutes to the north across the Harlem River is the other Park Avenue in the South Bronx. Here, unemployment runs at 19% and half the population need food stamps. The American dream of equal opportunities and hard work says that you can be born in the Bronx and end up at 740 Park Avenue. But is that dream still true? This film argues that the super-rich haven't just bought exclusive addresses. They've bought the whole system and they're running it for themselves. Let's say that's absolutely true. Of course, this film is a little more on the main mainstream side of things about wealth disparity here in America. It doesn't really touch on the uh, occult aspects of what's going on and how really these people are indeed dark occultists. But uh, I, we, we have been touching on the topic of wealth disparity in the discussions at some of these meetings, and I uh, we thought that this film would kind of be appropriate. So uh, that's the film we're showing this month. And uh, the again, the Guerin Recreation Center is at 16th and Jackson Streets. Um, all the documentary nights, as always, are free to attend. Uh, They always happen on the third Thursday of every month, hosted by uh, myself and Barb and uh, Truth, Freedom, Prosperity. And um, there is a free parking lot at the Guerin Center, uh, off-street parking, uh, fenced in, and you could feel free to bring your own food and drinks if you're going to be coming out to the free documentary night this Thursday. So, um, the big announcement is that the Free Your Mind 3 conference is coming at us in um, the first part of 2015. April 10th, 11th, and 12th of 2015, Free Your Mind 3 at the Sheraton Bucks County Hotel, 400 North Oxford Valley Road in Langhorne, Pennsylvania, just outside the city limits of Philadelphia, a little bit north of the city. The speakers already lined up for this uh, coming year's Free Your Mind conference. Bob Tuscan, Clint Richardson, Curtis Davis, Dennis McKenna just announced he has been secured for the Free Your Mind 3 conference. Really looking forward to seeing Dennis McKenna as part of Free Your Mind 3. Derek Brose, Ed Fortune, also known as the New Jersey Weed Man, Freighter X, Freeman, Fritz Springmeyer, Jay Parker, John Vibes, Josie the Outlaw Wales, Larkin Rose, Mark Devlin, and of course myself, Mark Passio. Those are the speakers that have already been announced. More speakers will be forthcoming in the coming weeks. An all-weekend pass for this conference, which is what I am highly recommending everyone who attends to go ahead and buy right now is only $130 for all three days, including a speaker meet and greet on Friday night where you can get to meet all of the speakers and have a discussion with them. Um, We are asking people um, as part of the support effort for this conference to buy your tickets in advance. Buy them now if you plan to attend. You don't have to wait to make your your travel to get your tickets when you make your travel plans. Get your tickets now in advance because, ladies and gentlemen, what that does for this event is it helps to pay for the entire event. 
It helps the organizers of the event to pay for the event. The venue is very expensive. It, co it costs multiple thousands of dollars to rent a venue like um, the um, Sheraton Bucks County Hotel for three days and nights. Um, the, um, the cost of... Um, the speakers travel expenses and lodging expenses you know a lot of these speakers are coming from all over the country so they have to be flown or uh, often maybe taken by train from one place to uh, near Philadelphia where the event's going to be held and then they have to be lodged there themselves for four uh, nights okay um, for the whole conference so uh, imagine when you have 20 speakers or something like that how much that cost is and, you know, it just takes an extraordinary amount of resources to host a conference of this magnitude. So the best way, you know, I can't overemphasize this enough, the best way that anyone can support the Free Your Mind 3 conference, if you are into the information that these whistleblowers and researchers are putting forward, if you are into the goals of the organizers of this conference to try to raise awareness about all of the uh, you know, horrific problems that are going on in our world and have people come forward to uh, expose those wrongdoings and those injustices and then put forward very empowering solutions and to bring people together so that they can learn from each other and network and make new friends and then, you know, spread the word throughout, the, you know, the, the, the rest of the course of their lives throughout the year until they meet again at another conference. Um, if you support that those whole general goals, the best way that you can support this effort of the Free Your Mind conference in general is to buy your ticket up for the conference in advance. Again, that's what helps the organizers accomplish what they want to accomplish. So we'll pick this up on the other side, ladies and gentlemen. Stay with us. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on RBN. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Just have a couple other quick event announcements. Uh, there are still What on Earth is Happening uh, t-shirts available, promotional t-shirts that I made uh, for my last seminar in Connecticut, the Demystifying the Occult seminar. Uh, you could receive those as a gift in return for a voluntary donation. Uh, to do that, uh, to receive the info on how to do that, you could just click the email link that's listed in the article regarding the t-shirts, which is at the top of the news section uh, on the whatonearthishappening.com website. Also, there is a donation button on the left-hand side of the whatonearthishappening.com website. If you feel that you've received value for, from the information that I've shared here on the What on Earth is Happening radio show and website. Please feel free to make a voluntary donation to help support my work so that I can continue to do it into the future. With that having been said, let's jump into the material for tonight's show. And I want to, as always, direct everyone's attention to the radio show tab of whatonearthishappening.com. 
underneath the player, whenever the show is live, there will be images for uh, tonight's show. There's only one images in that one image in that section tonight. It's just an image for the Free Your Mind conference website. Uh, they're they're working up a. Um, a poster for the event. Uh, I'll be posting that um, with each show and also making an article and probably putting it in the news section uh, regarding the conference uh, once the uh, some of the imagery is completed. And I'll also be putting a banner uh, on the front page of the site as well. Um, but um, underneath uh, the images for tonight's show, you'll see Cosmic Abandonment Slides, Part 1 and 2. Uh, we're well into Part 2. Uh, we're going to start with slide number 168 this evening and move on from there and hopefully uh, get through the rest of them. But uh, if you uh, like, uh, you can also download a zip archive containing all of the slides for this presentation. Unpack that uh, locally on your computer after it finishes downloading and then open up the slides with any image viewer that you prefer to work with. Probably the best way of doing it. So uh, we're going to start on slide number 168 for the Cosmic Abandonment Extended Presentation this evening. And that slide is part three, the, the third and final part of this presentation called The Unwritten Story of Our Future. Of course, part one was the story of our past, part two was the story of our present, and now we're talking about where do we go from here now that we know the kind of horrific truth about what the origins of humanity was was really like. And, you know, a lot of people will say that the whole interference theory of human origins is kind of like a, a psyop in and of itself. This is one of the things you hear. Anybody that's talking about the possibility of non-human involvement in the events that have taken place on this planet, in the... Um, you know, things that were done uh, in the early human uh, time period and, uh, regarding our origins and how we came into the current condition that we've arrived at in the, in the, in the times we're living in. That a lot of people will say that anybody that, that thinks that it had anything to do with non-human entities um, or any off-world forces is, you know, somebody who's trying to spread fear and just make it seem so hopeless, make the situation seem so hopeless that people give up. Now, I want anybody to find me ever saying the words, it's completely hopeless, in any of the material that I've ever done. Never from day one have I ever put forward that sentiment, and I still, to this day, don't think like that. It can be changed. Our situation can be changed. Our condition can be changed. The question I always ask is, will humanity will it to change? Because it doesn't just change on its own. The, the, the factors that have driven this condition of slavery that we are trapped in, uh, it's not just going to, they're not just going to go away. They have to be addressed. They have to be looked at deeply. They have to be confronted. It's not going to be... We're not going to be able to ignore the causal factors and somehow create the change that we want to see. Reality doesn't work like that. Natural law doesn't work like that. So in this section, what I'm really trying to do for people is to leave them with, with some hope regarding that this situation is changeable. And I, hope isn't even the right word to, to use in, in this instance. It's really to help to instill some knowledge 
in others that the situation is in fact changeable if enough care, attention, and willpower is put into the dynamic of actually changing it through our behaviors. So the first thing we have to understand is I'm not telling anybody my take on the, the human origins story to make them depressed, to make them disempowered, or the, to make them give up and think that it's hopeless. That's number one. I'm trying to explain these factors because only in knowledge and knowing the truth about what happened to us as a species are we ever going to be able to identify and confront those causal factors head on and then work to change them, to work with that shadow material and not ignore it and not try to run away from it to actually transmute that energy and understand how this condition came about because only when you understand how something a problem actually came about are you in an empowered position to do something about it to change it for the better so that's the whole intent of this entire cosmic abandonment series all right it's to instill that knowledge and then say here's what was done you have to deal with it you can't run away from it. You can't pretend that it didn't go on. It explains just about everything that's happening in the world. If you are being honest with yourself and you really look at it objectively, uh, some people will deny that. Some people will, you know, won't want to look at any of the evidence because of the horrific implications, which I agree are pretty horrific. You know, it's like uh, we were talking about, uh, just as a brief aside, you know, we were talking about uh, allegorical movies. And one of them that I brought up was The Time Machine. And there's a, a, a scene in The Time Machine when um, the, uh, the, quote, hero is trying to get information from like a quantum computer or some type of a photonic computer. Uh, and the, the uh, image of the person representing the computer uh, asks him, well, you know, the, he's talking about the rest of the people not wanting to know the truth and therefore they kind of deserve their situation because they're so ignorant. And he was saying, well, you know, isn't that kind of harsh? And he says, well, I want to know the truth. I want to know what happened. And he said, uh, the computer answers him and, you know, kind of says, will you still want to know the truth even if it is so horrific that it will haunt your dreams for all eternity? You know, that's the question. I mean, this situation is not good. It's bad. It, it, you know, uh, we were served a raw deal. We were served a bad hand of cards. But, you know, that's, that's you know, as the ball bounces, as the saying goes, that's, you know, the, the deal that we got in life. Now, the question is, are we going to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, keep getting up, regardless of how bad we've been beaten down, and do something about it? You know, and that's what this section is about. So, uh, I'll move on to slide number 169, and we're going to start talking about what the process of healing from abuse is all about, because really what ha has been done to humanity is we've been put through a vicious, vicious cycle of abuse, and now we're continuing that pattern. We're continuing the bad behavior of our, quote, cosmic parents who set themselves up as gods here, you know, as our owners, as our masters, and, uh, you know to get out of that abuse victim cycle is a very narrow pathway. We're going to talk about that on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, stay with us. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back.
We don't need no thought control No dark sarcasm in the classroom Teacher leave them kids alone Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on RBN. I'm your host, Mark Passio, my website, whatonearthishappening.com. We're talking about healing from the abuse that's been done to our species over thousands, tens of thousands of years, possibly hundreds of thousands of years. And it's a very difficult thing to break out of the cycle of abuse. Uh, as I was saying before the break, it's a narrow pathway to walk because so many factors are against you. See, I covered this before in a uh, previous show when we talked about uh, how dominators uh, get to become like that, how they go into that mindset. And it's often because they've experienced um, abuse. It's a very critical thing to understand about the mindset of these people, how sick they are. They're, they're ill people. They're mentally ill people. And they don't understand what is really the underlying psychological factors going on in their mind at a subconscious level at all because they run away from themselves. That's when most people who have undergone severe abuse, that's the pattern they generally fall into. Um, because they've been beaten down so badly. It's where humanity is collectively. So when a traumatic or chronic form of abuse occurs, whether it is experienced directly or it is witnessed uh, being done to someone else, for example, a child witnessing a, for example, uh, their mother being abused by their father, just uh, to throw out an example, you know, um, or whether the child is beaten themselves by one of the parents, okay? The one of the things that usually happens is identification with either the one who is performing the abuse or the one who is being abused. And that kind of, that bifurcation, you know, that choice between which one am I going to identify with? Am I going to identify with the one who is doing the abusive act? And therefore I look at that as, oh, well, that's strength because they're not being hurt. Or am I going to look at you know, well, the victim is being tortured or punished somehow and, you know, doesn't really deserve it. So should I identify with that? When in fact, really either form of that identification is a form of imbalance. Of course, identifying with the abuser is a hallmark of left brain imbalance because then the person usually goes on and becomes abusive. And then identifying with the victim and maintaining a victim mentality is a right brain form of imbalance. So if you look at the chart in, in, on slide number 149, it you know talks about or uh, visually demonstrates this, uh, this bifurcation of identification. So the, the traumatic or chronic abuse occurs, the experiencer identifies with either the abuser, that's that left-hand path that they go down, or they identify with the victim. Then, you know, since they're not dealing with the actual trauma directly, 
their emotions are either going to turn outward toward other people and they're going to go out and look for someone else to abuse and therefore become the abuser if you follow the flow chart downward. Or on the other side of things, if they identify with the victim mentality, uh, their, uh, n- the negative emotions that they're trying to suppress will turn inward and then they become a victim themselves and let other people walk all over them. Uh, and in both of these situations, really what's happening is the experiencer of the trauma is doing abuse to themselves because when we're hurting other people we're hurting ourselves or if we're allowing ourselves to be victimized by others of course we're hurting ourselves by not saying no and standing up for ourselves and our rights so really this is all about continuing to stay in a state of lack of self-respect lack of self-knowledge in a state of self-loathing, all things that we're going to talk about later on in this solutions section and uh, put forward some basic uh, ideas to really help people to understand how we can come out of that mentality. And the first aspect of coming out of that mentality is knowledge of self. I, I mean, I can't overemphasize that enough. That's the key to everything because through knowledge of self, you then understand knowledge of your own sovereignty and then you extend that sovereignty out to others because you recognize they're not actually separate uh, from we're not separate from anything we're all part of a living dynamic system which includes everything and um, you know you then uh, exercise the non-aggression principle you exercise the principles uh, of a voluntary society you stop believing in the uh, coercion of statism which is slavery and uh, you know you actually maintain a free uh, a philosophy of freedom in your daily life and actually put that into practice through your behavior through your actions so you know no, it all that all starts with knowledge of self if you don't understand yourself and how you work ultimately you never really truly get to that and whether people develop that knowledge directly or they absorb it you know through like osmosis or uh, it, it happens organically ultimately they somehow understand enough about the self and how they operate to understand those basic principles that i just referred to so Part of healing from abuse is really deeply understanding the kinds of imbalance that lead to a enslaved society, whether it le- it's a le- form of left brain imbalance that leads to what I call master think or a form of right brain imbalance that leads to what I call slave think. Um, either one of these forms of imbalance allows the dynamic of slavery to be perpetuated and to be continued on into the future. So the slide on uh, slide number 170 just again has been part of my work since day one talking about the basic concepts of the structures of the brain. Again, this is a simplified model. Uh, human neuroscience isn't quite uh, this simplistic. However, the model in general holds true of the triune brain, the three general complexes of the brain being the uh, reptile complex or the R complex including the brainstem and cerebellum, which uh, largely facilitates motor skills and fight or flight um, uh, reaction, survival mechanisms, etc. And then you have the mammalian brain or the limbic system, which generally makes possible emotions by creating the uh, chemicals that ultimately go into the bloodstream and throughout the body and help you to feel something in the physiology uh, regarding what 
the behaviors that you're taking toward others. And then, of course, there's the human brain or what's known as the neocortical brain, the neocortex, which uh, generally um, governs higher order thought functions, um, both left and right brain, uh, logical and intuitive uh, thought processes, both scientific and creative. So if you're in a state of chronic left brain hemispherical imbalance in the neocortex, we've talked about this many times, what happens is um, it will create a suppression of emotion and a suppression of the limbic brain, and then will eventually be rooted into the R complex of the brain and live like a dominator, you know, wanting to control everything and everyone. It's what I call slave, uh, sorry, it's what I call master think, this form of extreme left brain chronic imbalance uh, toward the logical, uh, you know, uh, side of the brain only, the uh, side of the brain that just deals with um, the physical world, okay, and survival, uh, and you know, an- analyzing things and breaking things down. It doesn't ever get into uh, the nurturing and compassion and and creative and intuitive side of of thought. That's what the right brain does, which you could equally go into a deep form of chronic imbalance if you are too much toward the the right or feminine part of the brain, uh, just like you can go into uh, the left brain masculine imbalance that leads to slave think, so uh, that leads to master think. So when you go into this right brain form of imbalance, uh, the feminine imbalance, when that part of the brain is chronically dominant, it creates a suppression of the R complex of the brain, where the survival instinct is made possible. And what uh, this form of imbalance does, the right brain imbalance, will, it will eventually root us into the mammalian or emotional brain. And we'll be at the, you know, we'll be basically a slave to our emotions and we'll constantly be in emotional thinking and reactive mode. Um, uh, and also, it, it, you know, you're always in fear because the fear uh, response also takes place in the limbic brain, as do all other emotions, positive or negative, quote, negative emotions. They're not really negative. They're, they're all there for a purpose and a function. But the ones that make us, quote, feel bad, uh, it's all there in the limbic brain, the positive and negative ones. So um, if either one of these types of brain imbalances are present, that is contributing to the dynamic of the continuation of slavery on either side. That's the first step in knowledge that we have to understand toward getting out of the current condition. We'll pick this up on the other side. Stay with us, everyone. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We're talking about where the perpetuation of abuse comes from psychologically. And um, generally, you know, we were looking at slide number 170, and generally what happens is if someone's undergone a lot of abuse early on in life, usually, and again, it could be psychological, emotional, uh, mental abuse, it doesn't have to be physical abuse, um, 
Uh, it could also just be, you know, not coping with whatever situation life has dealt. And that could be a form of abuse. You know, somebody just not uh, having that internal fortitude and strength uh, or, or support around them to deal with the situation that life has dealt them. And they go into one form of imbalance or another. The left brain imbalanced individuals will identify with the um, abuser and they become, they take on that master think mentality themselves that I'm going to take control now because I'll show other people, you know, I've been hurt, so then I'll go and hurt others. Um, so they're always looking to control. And the right brain imbalance, uh, the people who are in chronic right brain imbalance, they've also had abuse uh, often in their past and in their childhood. And uh, what they what form that this psychological dynamic takes on in their later years is they will go into this slave think mode where they'll look for protection because they're identifying with the victim mentality. Well, I can't take any action myself. Somebody else has to do this for me. I'm not responsible. That you know, uh, somebody else has to take care of my basic needs or my protection. You know, they, they want to be protected. And so you could see how the whole dynamic of government and slavery is perpetuated through these two dynamics playing off against each other. You know, it's uh, the it's it could be considered the ultimate dialectic. You know, it's like a feedback loop. You need the masters there to basically be the controllers, the people who think they're the masters, you know, who think that they're in control. There are left brain imbalanced um sick individuals that um you know think that they own and have the right to control other people and then you have the people who are willing to lay down to that and never stand up for themselves never stand up for their rights always want this quote protection from you know big daddy government and you know really don't understand human rights and keep uh you know wanting this slavery system to continue you know the the perfect house slave mentality of right brain imbalance. And again, it's, it feeds back dynamically with the, the master think uh, left brain form of imbalance. So until we understand how that dynamic works, we're not putting ourselves in an empowered position to heal ourselves through, um, you know, exercises and, you know, ways of healing that deal with this form of brain imbalance and ultimately work to bring it to balance. Okay, and I've talked about those modalities of thought in the past. There's many different ways, many different methods, many different programs that people can use to, uh, on a daily basis, bring the brain to a state of balance and keep it there. Again, if there's right brain imbalance, there's concentrative exercises. The left brain form of thought is largely concentration and logic. Somebody who's super right brain imbalance would have to use concentrative exercises in order to bring their brain to a state of balance. If you're super left brain imbalance and you're a control freak, um, you know, like many of the police and military individuals out there, you would want to use meditative techniques. Meditation is the right brain form of thought that stops the, the mind and the logical and analytical thought and just puts us in this, this state of present moment awareness, being in the now and, you know, looking at ourselves, of just being with ourselves. And I've talked about, you know, the importance of meditation in the past. I've also talked about the dangers of excessive meditation and how the New Age movement uses it uh, to basically get people to stand down and not really take action. Uh, but there is a positive and empowering usage for it, of course. And then the contemplative exercises where you're just 
actively um, using uh, daydreaming and um, types of uh, visualization techniques to work with both the um, very uh, 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 image-based and verbal-based and uh, you know, a logical based left brain in conjunction with the creative and intuitive and flowing and, um, you know, uh, 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 open minded aspect of the right brain, uh, to just, um, uh, visualize scenarios and, uh, you know, do things that kind of let you see, infinite possibilities that's what contemplation is ultimately about it's it's just working with mental material it's like an active form of daydreaming so these these three modalities of thought concentration uh, meditation and contemplation are all methods of balancing the brain depending on what type of um uh inherent situation is already present in the human brain in the in the uh, brain uh, complexes so it's so important to understand this basic knowledge of self and how we work psychologically and mentally in these physiological processes. And it's amazing that none of this is really taught in schools at an early age. You know, the school system obviously has no vested interest in wanting people to understand themselves because understanding yourself is empowerment and they don't want you empowered. They want you to be a good little slave so you can come out of the school system and just obey and go, you know, do work for whatever my, you know, uh, faceless corporations that you're going to go uh, beg for work for, uh, worship the almighty dollar and just, you know, uh, spit out children and wash, rinse, and repeat the cycle all over again. Um, only self-knowledge is going to ultimately take people out of these forms of imbalance. And people have to want to work with themselves. They have to want to know themselves. They have to want to look at themselves. And we have to encourage them to do that as conscious people. If you're already conscious and you understand how this dynamic works, you have to share this knowledge with people. You have to put it out there for their consideration in a way that they can understand it. So the second part of this uh, what I wanted to get into tonight is the concept that regardless of any of the abuse and trauma that we have undergone in the past as a species, consciousness can trump all of that. Knowledge of self, okay? And then putting that knowledge into practical application through enough care and enough willpower, which is what consciousness is really ultimately all about. Being aware and then doing something with that awareness, will trump any of that trauma. It will conquer any of that trauma. So what we're looking at has, uh, that has been done in the human past that we've talked about for many, many weeks on this show is genetic manipulation, uh, a dumbing, literal dumbing down of the species uh, physiologically through genetic splicing and, and modifications and uh, you know, uh, uh, tinkering that really these beings had no right to do. Now, people will think, well, this is the ultimate code of nature. And, you know, once that's done, there's nothing that can undo it. And it just, it's set in stone. It's set a certain way. It's like a computer code and that's just it. And we cannot possibly outgrow that or, you know, overcome anything that's been done to us genetically. And that mindset is nonsense. It's a Newtonian worldview that is completely out of date in modern science. Most people still think that way because they have bought into this, you know, early, late 1800s and early 1900s model of science 
and quote-unquote evolution, which I talked about extensively at the very beginning of this, uh, you know, extended presentation series, Cosmic Abandonment, um, that that this uh, entrenched model of ancient science, of ancient, outmoded, outdated scientific thought is still largely entrenched in the public consciousness because newer sciences and newer discoveries within science um, really take a long time to filter their way down from the scientific community into the public's hands. And again, I'm not talking about scientism. I'm talking about real cutting-edge science in many cases. It takes a long time to really even come into public consciousness. Uh, years and uh, Probably about two decades ago, most scientists said that the gap was over 25 years. Now scientists are saying the gap is almost 50 years, five decades, and that's a conservative estimate. Literally, like what is being discovered in real cutting-edge science now will not really be understood. The implications of it may not be understood by the general population for 50 years. And they're saying that that gap widens each day as new discoveries are made. So... You know, when I talk about these, uh, the, the science of epigenetics, most people won't even have heard of it or not have studied into it or looked into it at all. Um, and most people, again, they're still working with this outmoded Newtonian view of, um, you know, reductionist materialistic science, which is completely out of date. And uh, it's just perpetuated as the entrenched paradigm because that perpetuates the uh, you know, um, disempowerment mindset, that we're all locked into a way of being, that human nature is a certain way, our genes make us a certain way, and that's it, and there's nothing that anybody could do about that. You're dealt that those cards, and you have to uh, accept that. It's not the case, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we can actually change those things through consciousness, and we're going to talk about that when we get into epigenetics. We'll be back after these words. Stay with us, everyone. everyone you're listening to what on earth is happening into the second hour of tonight's broadcast i'm your host mark passio my website what on earth is happening.com just want to uh, make a, a very brief correction i forgot to mention uh to get your tickets for the what uh, for the uh, Free Your Mind 3 conference, uh, you can go to freeyourmindconference.com. I forgot to give out the conference website, I believe, earlier. Uh, and again, uh, I, I'm highly recommending people to go there who want, are going to attend the conference, uh, even before you make any travel plans. Get your tickets in advance, and uh, I recommend getting the all-weekend pass, uh, only $130 for that package. Uh, that's the early bird special on that. So uh, you could do that right now at freeyourmindconference.com. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, in coming weeks, we'll have a, a lot more information on this great event. But let's go back to the cosmic abandonment presentation. Talk, we were talking about epigenetics in the last segment, and th this comes from uh, Greek and Latin roots. This word, the the prefix epi, e p i, means beyond, you know, or past. So um, what we're talking about here is to go beyond the genes, to go beyond genetics. Of course, genetics comes from the Latin term genere, which means to make or to create. Uh, and, um, you know, of course, that's what we're made of is our genetic material. It uh, definitely does facilitate a lot of the uh, characteristics and functions of the being, of course. But um, a lot of people think that... Uh, 
it's all set in stone and it's just the card that you are dealt with and you can't transcend any of those characteristics uh, throughout the course of your life. And this is the big lie. This is the big lie put forward by Newtonian science and Darwinian evolution theory, etc. And uh, epigenetics is an emerging science that really shows us that we are actually the writers of our own genetic code in many ways. Okay, it isn't to say we can just snap our fingers and cha- you know, uh, you know, uh, grow a sixth finger or something like that. Okay, that's not what I mean by this. It means that if you work in consciousness, if you work with all of the aspects of your consciousness, your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions, and you engage the true intelligence, which is a combination of the uh, logical, intellectual side and the creative intuitive side of the mind and you work, you develop true care and then you put you know all of that all of your willpower into actually doing what you know to be the right thing okay and um <clears throat> living in harmony with truth living in harmony with natural law and being unified in consciousness in such that your thoughts your emotions and actions are not uh dualistic or not in opposition to each other and uh, are not inconsistent with each other, meaning as you think, you feel, and so you act. And there's no contradiction there. You are going to be engaging aspects of the life force energy that underlies everything in ways that most people don't think is possible. I mean, here's a simple example, okay? Do you think that the people who are truly aware and whose minds are working correctly and understand what's going on in the world, in life, on this planet, uh, haven't been subject to the same types of physical detriments going on through things like um, chemtrail bombardment in our skies, spraying of heavy metals, okay, uh, the poisoning of the water supply, um, the the poisoning of the food supply? You don't think... look. The, the extent that I have awoken my consciousness, look at all the abuse I formerly did to myself, my body, the types of the type of diet I was on previously. Underneath all of that was still a drive to learn, to grow, to understand truth, to want knowledge, and to want knowledge of self above all. That all of those things, all of those bombardments, which can affect the genetics, which can affect the mind, can affect the brain still in the long term because of the persistence that I activated within myself in consciousness could not prevail, could not keep me down. It kept me down for quite a long time, but eventually the true self burst through and it emerged stronger for the experience actually. And what I'm, what I'm trying to explain to people is the people that think, oh, it's just a hopeless situation because look at how we've been dumbed down. Look at how they've done genetic modifications to us in the ancient past. Yeah, that's, it's very dark information. It's very dark knowledge to understand. I personally accept this as what went down in the ancient past. Okay, I think there's enough evidence to prove it personally. Many people will disagree with that. However... Um, it's not something to feel so disempowered about that you give up and you say, well, since non-human entities are more powerful than us, there's no way we could ever rise above this condition. 
you know, it's not the case. Consciousness will trump even all of that genetic modification that was done. The thing that has to drive it is care. Again, that's why the image that I picked for epigenetics was an image of all the chakras of of a being lit up. These energy vortices that are associated with different levels of glandular activity within the body, within the center line of the body, going up to the, the crown of the head, representing illuminated consciousness. But you, you look at the, the, the chakras, the way they're laid out in, in this image on the right-hand side on image uh, 171 in the presentation slides, and you see that all the energy is focused in the heart, the heart chakra. That you know, This is what I call the eighth principle, the lost principle of the you know, um, underlying dynamics of natural law, the underlying principles of natural law, uh, it's care. That's the generative principle. That's what really is generating everything that comes after that, that feeling, okay? That, that it's a choice of what we want to care about. You know, it's like going back to the, the Matrix movie when Neo's having that conversation with the Merovingian and he's trying to tell him, oh, it's all just about a causality. And Neo, uh, uh, um, the Morpheus character says to the Merovingian, everything begins with choice. It's true. The Merovingian tries to lead him off that path because he's the dark occultist that doesn't want people to understand it's all about free will choice. You know, there is causality. There is natural law at work in the universe. And we are... Uh, bound by that and we have to accept those consequences when we choose a specific behavior or action but it all ultimately starts with choice we have to choose a behavior and then natural law goes into effect natural law consequence goes into effect so what we care enough about to do in the world is ultimately what's generating the condition in the world this is a huge part of epigenetics and what is driving our care well the quality of our mind the quality of consciousness you know that's why the first principle of natural law is everything is mental the whole universe is mind everything begins in mind mind is what's ultimately driving the dynamic of what we care about what we think about drives what we care about and then we behave that's why one is the father, one is the mother, one is a, considered a masculine quality, one's considered a feminine quality, and then, you know, you have the um, behavior is the chi- the male child of the byproduct of that quote marriage. This is the trinity. This is what consciousness is all about. So, you know, I, I think it's a very highly appropriate image uh, compared to the very scientific, you know, double helix ladder twisted twisted ladder DNA image there on the left. Um, because it, the energy is coming from the heart. Care is the underlying, um, uh, the underlying dynamic that's going to create anything that we experience in our life. That's why I call it the lost principle, because so many people don't care. You know, that's been lost. It's like the lost word is no. So few people are saying no when their rights are violated that that's considered the lost word. Nobody uses that sacred masculine dynamic of saying enough is enough and I'm not going to take it anymore. You know, they just stand down, you know, uh, and the sacred feminine principle of care is often lost. That's why I call it the lost principle of natural law. So we need to develop that care if we're going to engage epigenetics. Ultimately, it does begin. Everything does begin with choice. And that's a mental process, which, again, is why mind control is such a powerful uh, set of factors when it comes to the controllers. Um, you know, game plan, their methods of manipulation to go to work on the human mind so that it stifles the care. And ultimately, they want to destroy people's care. So 
an individual that I want to just recommend, and again, I can recommend an individual without agreeing with every single thing that he says. Again, people will say, oh, I don't agree with this aspect of his work, so this guy's got to be some kind of an agent or working for the bad guys. Not everybody is going to agree, agree with everything someone says. I don't expect everybody to agree with everything that I say, okay? I'm pointing out a high quality of work that I feel people will benefit from understanding. And you take what you will from that and you leave what you feel is inaccurate or, you know, might lead lead someone astray in a certain way. I think personally certain people in the field of studying, uh, you know, consciousness can become a little bit too new agey and too right-brained. I feel the gentleman I'm going to recommend is pretty balanced and is on point when when it comes to his work in epigenetics and what he calls the uh, biology of belief, which is the na- title of his book. He, his name is Dr. Uh, Bruce Lipton. And Bruce Lipton wrote the book, The Biology of Belief. He has a lot of videos out on YouTube. I highly recommend people check them out because it's all about how uh, ultimately consciousness is stronger than Uh, the material world of genes. And if we want to change what's going on in ourselves, we have to change what's going on in our mind. So we'll pick that thought process up on the other side of this break. Ladies and gentlemen, stay with us. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on RBN. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We were talking about epigenetics, and I was recommending some of the works of Dr. Bruce Lipton. His book, Biology of Belief, I think is an excellent book uh, that talks about epigenetics and the power of consciousness to actually uh, change everything that we are experiencing in life, uh, including ourselves. And... uh, you know, epigenetics means to go beyond the genes, to go beyond the physical matter that we think is just directing everything that goes on here. It's not really the case. It's the facilitator for it. Um, it's uh, what makes the physical experience possible is the genetics. The consciousness is what's driving the genetics. That's the code that uh, ultimately underlies all of it. And we are the, the writers, the controllers, the directors of that code, of that story. And we can change what actually manifests by changing the, the uh, quality of our consciousness. And that's what this book kind of gets into. It talks about how um, human, quote, uh, the human condition uh, is di- large, very different than what people generally think of as, quote, human nature. I've discussed this a lot in my work where I don't think there is any such thing as human nature as far as being good or bad. Um, It's all about the conditions that result as a result of what is programmed into the individual. If anything, human nature is that we are a programmable species. That is the nature of our actual um, uh, framework, uh, the physiological framework that we are born with, that we can be programmed. The question then becomes, how will we be programmed? what will be programmed into us? What kind of information will we take into ourselves? What kind of information will other people instill? What will we take in through food and diet, uh, you know, water, etc.? 
You know, again, that old adage of quality goes in, quality comes out. Garbage goes in, garbage comes out. Um, in that respect, we are like a programmable computer. If you put a good file format and a good operating system, uh, you know, on the drive and then good programs that are written bug-free, then you're going to have good quality output uh, on that computer. If those things are all corrupted, you're going to have terrible garbage output on that computer. Um, humanity is similar to that. Not, again, saying that we are computers, saying that we work like that. So the conditions are going to also influence the result. And that's why they call it the human condition. We improve the, the condition by improving consciousness, which then helps to improve the condition even more. Uh, it's a feedback loop. Again, uh, another big um, uh, aspect of Bruce Lipton's work is the audio series um, uh, Wisdom of Your Cells. Uh, again, I can't recommend that one highly enough either. You have to check that one out. Wisdom of Your Cells is a great audio series by Bruce Lipton that gets into epigenetics. Uh, I, again, highly encourage people to check out his YouTube videos as well. And again, you don't have to agree with every aspect of what the individual is saying in every part of the work that he does. I think these are uh, decent works that he has put out that explain ep epigenetics and I take that and then move forward with that information and if he says something I don't particularly agree with I don't have to accept everything that the man says nor does anybody have to accept anything that anybody else says you can take what resonates in truth and you know set the rest aside as as they say so um that's uh, uh, my recommendation for who you should check out. Um, uh, and there are probably some other people. If you just type in the term epigenetics, I'm sure many other people are getting into this topic now. But uh, Lipton kind of pioneered this, uh, especially as an uh, activist getting out there and uh, giving presentations and uh, talking about this uh, dynamic. Actually got a chance to see him live uh, just uh, outside of Philadelphia in Haverford. And uh, he was, it was a very good uh, lecture that he gave um, near, near Philadelphia. Um, on this topic of uh, moving beyond, you know, what people perceive as limitations through genes and, you know, how the whole medical industry is based on this whole, uh, you know, we're going to just affect the matter, you know, and we're not going to treat the whole being, you know, we're not going to actually take the whole being into account, their conditions, their consciousness, their state of mind, their stress level, etc., all of that. You know, it's just like, here's a physical mechanism. If we can change this, we'll change the result. Well, reality doesn't work that way, folks. We're not just machines. You know, we're not biological machines. This is an old, outdated Newtonian notion that's been brought into other sciences like the, the various fields of medicine. And it is an inaccurate paradigm in general. It's built upon fundamentally flawed axiom, the fundamentally flawed axiom that matter is superior to everything else, that matter is prime, okay? And as we've talked about here, that's one of the huge things that this currently entrenched paradigm wants people to continue to accept because it doesn't want us to understand the role of consciousness and spirit involved in every aspect of our lives and how it's not really separate from the world of manifested matter, the world of manifested reality. It's what's ultimately driving it. So um, that's really what I wanted to say on epigenetics. And um, I want to get into the things that are going to really be required on our part to change if we're going to change the condition that we have been thrust into. Again, a big part of this is not our, quote, fault, 
Okay, what happened happened, and it was done by beings that were um, at that time uh, certainly technologically superior to us, certainly mentally su superior, or I sh should say just intellectually superior, not in real intelligence. Um, not in holistic intelligence, because if they had any holistic intelligence, they wouldn't have done the things that they did. But um, um, I can't let humanity off the hook entirely because we are responsible for the perpetuation of the current human condition. Because we have not developed the intelligence, the care, and the willpower to change the current condition. We um, simply don't care enough in the aggregate as a species to change what is happening through our behavior and our choices. We're in too much fear still as a whole to say this system is junk. It always has been junk. It is junk now. It always will be junk for as long as it is perpetuated. We need to stop fearing the chaos of the collapse of this system. We have to allow that collapse to go on you know, we need to set up other solutions in uh, the process of that coming entropy. You know, and I I'm all for that chaotic transition, personally. You know, I think that order can emerge out of chaos. I think that the immoral systems that we've built up, we have to stop staying attached to and let them fall. And then we will build something that is more orderly on the other side. And I'm not saying it may not be a painful chaotic transitional period in between. But the problem is, as long as people keep fearing that, slavery is going to continue. You know, I'll take that chaotic, painful transition any day over the continuation of slavery. You know, that's my choice. I'll choose freedom any day. But uh, many people are still too in fear to make that, uh, that correct choice, that informed and correct choice, that conscious free will choice. You know, they want to continue to look for protection. They want to continue to be dependent. They want to continue to try to absolve themselves or uh, abdicate themselves from their own personal responsibility in life. And when you do those things, slavery is all you can manifest. That's all you're going to get. So what this next section I call um, respect, remembrance, and responsibility. Re the three R's, okay? Respect, remembrance, and responsibility. Now, what defeats respect, true self-respect, what defeats it is the dynamic of self-loathing. Self-loathing is, uh, and we're on slide number 173 now. What creates self-loathing is the trauma that previously went on in someone's life. And then when they, ide when they identify as somehow being deserving of that of that you know, horrible events that were, were done to them. Uh, it was done maybe because I wasn't good enough. I, you know, uh, I wasn't smart enough. I, I, I wasn't worthy enough. These feelings of unworthiness, okay, is the underlying psychological condition that it makes people try to abdicate their personal responsibility because they, they don't have enough respect and self-love for themselves, okay? All bullies are like this. All controllers are like this. All victims are like this. Okay? Ultimately, a bully, a controller, a dominator hates themselves. Ultimately, a victim hates themselves. Nobody who loves themselves could try to push other people around or sit there and take other people's abuse. If you truly love yourself and you're not in a state of self-hate or self-loathing, then 
you're not going to try to control anybody else, nor you're going to accept somebody else's control. You're not going to play any part of that game. We'll pick this dynamic up on the other side of the break, folks. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Before the break, we were talking about the psychological dynamic of self-loathing, just hating yourself. And so many people are trapped in this condition subconsciously, psychologically, and don't really even know it or understand this condition. Um, This is slide number 173, and... um, I'll just basically read what's what's on the slide. It says, self-loathing is the underlying psychological condition that causes people to attempt to abdicate their own personal responsibility to exercise conscience and to fall into patterns of willful ignorance, order following, and the justification of immoral behavior. And that's really what's going on in the world, folks. You know, order followers just doing what they're told other people putting up with it, people excusing this behavior, thinking that it's okay, that they have the right to do this somehow, offering justifications for it, not exercising conscience, other people trying to hand off or pass on or abdicate their own personal responsibility to do the right thing or to be responsible for themselves to someone else. You know, this all stems from not caring enough about yourself, not having enough self-respect. I'm going to end the presentation part of tonight's show with uh, this topic of self-loathing. And next week, we're going to get into this dynamic of the three R's. Respect, which is what will ultimately heal self-loathing. Remembrance, which is understanding knowledge of self. And responsibility, understanding that ultimately you are truly and totally and ultimately responsible for your own behavior and you cannot pass that responsibility or separate from it or alienate yourself from it in any way and you know those three things really constitute a solution when it comes to a deep understanding of what's going on in our world what's going on within ourselves and uh, understanding the dynamic of natural law so um, continuing with this slide self-loathing is created when earlier trauma or traumas, have been suppressed and buried deep into the subconscious mind instead of being confronted, dealt with, and healed. Okay, Working your way out of the um, abuse victim cycle through applied knowledge, care, and willpower. That narrow path that we talked about regarding how to get out of the abuse victim cycle. 
The effects of such unresolved trauma often take the form of feelings of inadequacy and unworthiness, whether real, suggested, or imagined. Again, can a dominator really like himself? And who can like themselves if they don't really know themselves? Who can love themselves if self-knowledge isn't present? You know, could you really love someone you don't know? No, of course not. You have to know them. You have to know something about them in order to express feelings of even like, care, or love. So people don't have a, a, a deep relationship with themselves. And in many cases, that's why they don't love themselves. And they're trapped in this, these feelings of inadequacy and unworthiness. And so they either strike out against others or they turn inwardly against themselves and then imagine that they deserve more abuse. Of course, neither one of those things is true. A dominator has no right to do what he's doing. And, you know, somebody sitting back just taking abuse is indirectly doing a wrong and a harm to, to actually everybody around them by not standing up for what's right, for their rights and the rights of other people. You know, people sitting there watching other people be abused or just taking abuse themselves are indirectly doing something that is harmful to others. That's why, you know, I always tell people, people who do not, understand human rights who do not understand the difference between right and wrong and want to remain in that level of ignorance are ultimately doing wrong to other people they're they're i don't care what somebody does to themselves their own body but there are levels of ignorance that you don't have a right to you know people say somebody can do whatever they want with their own mind think whatever they want well that's not really true it's not really the case there are mode there are modalities of thought that are wrong and that includes condoning violence against other people. That, can, that includes accepting violence being done to people in society in general and saying, I don't care. That's a, an act of violence in and of itself. Not to care about injustices done to other people. You think of it that way, how many people are really doing violence indirectly, indirect violence through their total not caring of what is happening with other people, the injustices that are taking place with others. That person's doing indirect harm because they, by their ignorance, are perpetuating those injustices and allowing them to continue. So um, the effects of these unresolved traumas take on the forms of feelings of inadequacy and unworthiness, whether they're real, suggested, or imagined. And again, this is on both side, sides, the left brain imbalanced dominators and the right brain imbalanced uh, slave thinkers. Okay, so... Moving on to slide 174, it's the last slide, and then I'm going to start going to the phones for the time that we have left. Um, I've just lowered prison bars, uh, like the door of a prison, over the top of the image that is this golem creature, this totally destroyed, self-loathing individual that says, I have suffered, therefore I shall cause suffering for others. Uh, that is the very dynamic that perpetuates the prison, that perpetuates slavery. Somebody who doesn't care, is only focused on themselves, doesn't care what anybody else is going through, doesn't care what, what injustices are taking place for, toward, toward others uh, or what's going on in the world and is totally focused on me, 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 which is Satanism thought process. It's satanic thought. Uh, most people are in this modality of satanic thought. From the minute they wake up, they think about nothing but themselves. They don't get involved in, um, you know, uh, communicating knowledge to anybody else. And that very dynamic of, I'm only concerned about me, and since I've gotten a raw deal, I'm going to treat other people the way I was treated instead of treat them the way I would rather be treated, 
um, then that's what perpetuates the dynamic of slavery and, and imprisonment and disempowerment. Next week, we're going to get into, again, the three R's, self-respect, self-knowledge, remembering who we are, and personal responsibility. These are the things that heal self-loathing and bring about true self-love so that we can affect a solution, understand our own sovereignty, understand how natural law works, and then live our lives in harmony with it, and ultimately end slavery by doing so. So uh, with that having been said, I'll, I'll leave it for there, and hopefully next week we can wrap up the official part of the presentation, and then in coming weeks we'll move on to some supplemental material regarding cosmic abandonment, and then future weeks I'm going to be moving into uh, um, some of the dynamics of uh, order followers and their thought processes and what we need to do to try to change their state of consciousness uh, or influence a change in their state of consciousness. I'm going to talk about some other social dynamics uh, down the line that are going on in society that are uh, really negatively affecting our society and keeping it where, where it's at, which is exactly where we don't want it to be, uh, which is a state of slavery and disempowerment. But um, next week, more in the solutions section on cosmic abandonment. For now, let's go to your phones for the time that we have remaining. Let's hear from Ivan in Phoenix. Ivan, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hello, Ivan, are you there? Should be. Oh, hi. You took me uh, early today. <laughs> there you go. Yes. I'm going to take some calls till the end of the show, and you're the first one in the queue, my friend. What do you have for us tonight? Oh, okay. Um, well, uh, I had mentioned to uh, you and Barb about the new film, um, Interstellar, in theaters. Yes. You get a chance to watch that yet? I have not yet. I uh, have it on my to-do list. I am going to get to it soon. Okay. Well, this, this film is pretty interesting. It, uh, again, somewhat touches on what you're talking about here. Um, again, the general premise is that uh, the world is uh, can sustain life pretty much, and instead of uh, fixing the planet, which they basically can't, they're looking to go off-world and find another place to go and ruin, basically. Wow. Uh, it's pretty, pretty interesting. The first thought that I got when I saw this film, even though they don't mention it, I thought of, uh, you know, how we in the truth movement or researchers pretty much we we look at things in a bigger picture in a holistic way right and i'm looking at mars how mars you can kind of say there was probably life on there and the beings on there screwed up that planet and then left that planet to find someplace else and kind of i guess came here and now whatever quite possible you know yeah, I think it's very possible they just moved a little bit in uh, inward toward the next planet in the uh, solar system. Who knows what happened on the other side of Mars? Uh, that was more likely than not a planet that became the asteroid belt through, a, through some type right. of cataclysm. Hey, Ivan, ho hold on the line with me. I'll, I'll hold you over through this uh, break, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, okay. you're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back with more of your calls to close out the show.
Welcome back, everyone. Final segment for this edition of What on Earth is Happening this evening. We're taking your calls. We were talking with Ivan in Phoenix. Ivan, are you still with us? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, you can go ahead and continue the thought that you were on before the break. Okay. Um, not to give anything away uh, with the, about the movie, but basically um, <clears throat> I saw the film twice, and the second time uh, while watching the film, I can sense how the director, Christopher Nolan, uh, took three hours, and for three hours was able to take the average moviegoer and attempt to bring their consciousness from a third dimensional consciousness and even contemplate a fifth dimensional uh, realization because the movie really gets tricky. It's a little bit a la 2001 Space Odyssey, so that, that's all I want to say about it, but it, you really got to have your mind open and just aware because things that are happening there and thrown at you, your average moviegoer is right. kind of like, makes no sense what the heck. But Highly symbolic, highly allegorical. If you're comparing it to 2001, I'd consider that... Uh, a good compliment to the movie because uh, that I consider to be one of the best films of all time and uh, that, that definitely makes me want to go check it out right especially after reading one of the reviews from the Daily Mail and they trashed it so I was like oh there you go negative review go see it you know definitely going to take your recommendation yep well that, that's pretty much all I wanted to contribute to today so you can get a few other calls in before the show's done. Absolutely. So. Ivan, always a pleasure to hear from you, my friend. All right. Take care, Mark. You too. All right. Let's hear from Ailey in Connecticut. You're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Um, thank you for having me on your show. Um, I just want to say that um, from having listened to quite a bit of your material now, it seems to me that your position is that all forms of control are inherently slavery. Is that correct? Sure. Well, you've expressed in your natural law seminar that it is critical to establish internal sovereignty as this leads to order and self-control. I found myself experiencing confusion when I have considered an application of the law of correspondence to this dynamic. Um, How could it be accurate to make an um, axiomatic statement statement that all forms of inter- external control are slavery. If we see a very clearly laid out example of the inner world, so to speak, where control leads to harmony and order. So, as you have said as well, if this self governance is not applied, right. there would be there would be in- interior anarchy, which is tantamount to internal confusion. Well, you're 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 you're, li- you're likening external control to internal control when in fact they're really opposites of each other. They're not using the same dynamic, which is external control is coercion based, whereas to use the same word control to to refer to you know the dynamic of self control, uh, um, perhaps self mastery might be a better term for it. It's knowing the self to the extent that. Um, you are not being owned by the uh, internal forces that dwell within the ind- the individual uh, consciousness. You are directing them. You are using them. You are putting them into effect. 
and as such you are uh, exercising um, mastery and skillfulness of using those whereas not knowing how to use them places you essentially at their mercy and they control you so that's how I would kind of rectify that because it's kind of like a language thing where you're you're kind of uh, 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 equating it with the kind of external control that is based in coercion and it's not that same dynamic I hope that kind of clears it up does it um well I just I'm curious how is or why is all control abuse because it's based in coercion and the removal of free will or the attempted removal of free will by one being against another that makes it inherently wrong because you're taking something it's theft you're stealing something that doesn't belong to you which is someone else's free will choice so long as they're not harming someone else all external control is based in the dynamic of coercion. Coercion is a form of theft and therefore a wrongdoing. So that's all pretty, you know, uh, explicitly laid out in the uh, natural law seminar. And uh, if um, that wasn't a uh, in-depth enough coverage of the, the the basic dynamics of natural law, I would highly recommend that you go back to the podcast and go through the sections. Uh, I did many podcasts on natural law. I think it was back in the uh, 60s or 70s. I don't quite remember off the top of my head, maybe a little after that. But um, you can go back in the podcast archive where I cover natural law pretty extensively in depth and talk about a lot of those dynamics there. So I have one one more quick question Mm -hmm. um, relating to that. What about anarchy in relation to freedom? Because, um, like, using the law of correspondence as within, so without, I, I just, I just don't see how internal anarchy is any different from external an- anarchy. Because I believe that all, it's all the, you know, the self. Really, if we want to get back to like, um, oh, like I guess oneness, people would call right. it. Well, That's again, I'm, break, I'm, I'm using that term internal anarchy in the literal sense of the word. So if we break down the word, anarchy means no ruler or no master. If there is no internal mastery, that means that the house of the self is open to control or rulership from without. If you are not applying the, the knowledge of self for the manifestation of or or the realization of your own internal sovereignty someone else or some other force is going to come in and and set up camp there it's like an abandonment of a house it's an abandonment of a piece of property you know you're not setting up rulership or possession within that that entity within that consciousness and therefore you know a squatter is going to move in and say well i own this now it's, it kind of works like that dynamic. When I say internal anarchy, I mean literally there's no ruler or no master at home in the house of self. And that's a very bad dynamic. It's a bad thing. So in that sense, the word anarchy becomes, anarchy becomes negative if it's inwardly anarchistic. We need inward rulership of the self. Again, you have to see the terms rulership, control, or mastery in a positive sense here because when they're applied within to the self that is what is based in knowledge not coercion that's what's what's based in nature not a perversion of nature and um 
I would the main thing that I would recommend at this point, if you do have kind of grasped the whole concept of uh, correspondence, I would start to get into some occult writings that deal with these topics. I think uh, a few of the books that um, I uh, recommend in the natural law section might help, and then you could branch off from that to go into some other works and uh, you know some authors that uh, deal with that topic. I, R- Richard Wetherill is one. He's not basically an occult writer, but you can get into some of the uh, uh, writings of uh, Rosicrucianism that deal with a lot of these topics. Um, Many Freemasonic authors have dealt with these topics as well. It's probably where I would recommend for you to go next, but the first place I would say is the extended natural law uh, uh, section of my podcast. Uh, And as always, I always recommend people to start at at podcast number one and uh, move forward from there to get a uh, a general holistic uh, um, tapestry of my work. So, Ali, I want to thank you for the call and uh, I'm going to round out the show by going to a caller uh, over in Poland Bart from Poland you're live on what on earth is happening welcome hello Mark welcome to the show hello. yes can you hear me can you hear me yes I can you're, well. you're coming through well okay first of all uh, thank you very much you are back online and yes. uh, I would like first of all uh, I would like recommend a few movies related to psychopathy or their following and justification sure. so they are related to nuclear holocaust so this is face safe from year 2000 okay the U- u.s production and then we have uh, threats this is uk production from year 9 1984 and of course uh mm, the last one is the mm, let's say a black comedy uh, dr strangelove yeah oh absolutely uh directed yeah. by stanley kubrick no less Yes. Yes. Of great, great recommendations. Okay, thank you. And uh, last question, uh, Mark, uh, as you were the member of the Church of uh, Satan, so have you met uh, such strange uh, behaviors of some, you know, members that they, for after some time, they are starting uh, having, let's say, homosexual tendencies? We're out of time for this edition. I'll try to uh, answer that on, on the next show. But ladies and gentlemen, that's all the time we have. Remember, there's only two mistakes you can make on the path to truth, not starting and not going all the way. We'll see you right here next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great night. 